Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Yeah, it's good to hear your voices. You are out there, right? Everyone's out there? Okay, yeah, there you go. I can see you now, uh, so I know that you're here. Uh, My name is Dave, and I'm one of the pastors here at C4, and uh, great to be with you this morning as we kick off this new series. And a huge uh, shout-out to all of our friends up at North Durham. Uh, You know, let's hear it for the North Durham crowd. Why don't we let them feel? Yeah, okay, awesome, great. I was up at North Durham a couple of weeks ago, and the shout-out was really appreciated up there, and so uh, I'm sure they're cheering right now, too, as well. Well, as some of you know, I get to the privilege of traveling to East Africa, you know, quite often. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I like to do, uh, probably because I've got a little bit of a warped sense of humor, is I look to, one of the things I love to do is look for churches in, in, like, in Kenya and Uganda that have really, really interesting names, like kind of different names. You know, like names that you don't hear, like, you know, like Holy Fire Redeemed Church for All Nations. You know, you don't see that on the average corner church here in North America. And so I'm all always on the lookout for churches with just kind of different interesting names because I just I find it funny and so this week I thought you know what I'm going to look up some names online and see if in North America we can compete at all with our African friends and see if there's any fun names of churches here in North America and you know I to my shock I found some really bizarre church names like imagine yourself attending a church called this so first of all there is Accident Baptist Church now clearly they are not Calvinists right? So, because Accident Baptist Church. Then there's Greater Second Baptist Church in Chattanooga. Greater Second Baptist Church. I don't really understand that one at all. And then for those of you who are kind of don't want to commit yourselves fully, there's Halfway Baptist Church. You could go there. This one here is not a seeker-sensitive, not a seeker-friendly church at all. They don't get a lot of visitors to Hellhole Swamp Baptist Church. (laughs) And and I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. This is real names of real churches. Then there's one in the town of Boring called Boring Seventh-day Adventist Church. And honestly, honestly, one of the elders is called Elder Dull. Honestly, seriously, Elder Dull. Then there's Battleground Baptist Church. And I would say, based on past experience, aren't they all? Um, but anyways, you know, that's a little inside Christian humor. It's kind of like normal humor, but not as funny. Um, then, there's, uh, then there's this one I just don't get at all. First United Separated Baptist Church. I, I don't even understand that one. I, I just don't get that one. This church apparently doesn't get a lot of visitors. Hell for certain church. Hell for, hey, where are you going this morning? Yeah, just going to take a little run down with a family and worship at hell for certain. Nice, really good. And then, of course, there's Lover's Lane Episcopal Church. They probably get a few visitors there at Lover's Lane. You know, that's good advertising for the church. So it doesn't matter what the name of the church is. doesn't matter, you know, what the name is. Regardless of the name of the church, all churches that love Jesus that preach and teach the word of God, that are committed to the scriptures and to what the scriptures teach, all churches have at their core, at their DNA, the exact same thing. Doesn't matter what the name is. Doesn't matter if it's C4 church or another church. We have at our core, if we love Jesus deeply and we love the Bible, then we have at our core the same thing. I love what Pastor Rick Warren says. He says that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission makes a great church. The great commandment. The great commandment is given in Matthew chapter 22 and verses 37 to 39 where Jesus says these words. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind and all of your heart. 
This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you know where that episode took place, Jesus was being quizzed by some really smart people in the law, and they were trying to trick Jesus. And they said, Jesus, you know, out of all of the commandments, hey, we'll trap you here. Which one would you choose as the number one? And Jesus said, look, the number one is this. Love God and love people. Like, if you love God and you love people, all of the law and all of the prophets, all of the Old Testament is wrapped up in that commandment to just love God and love people. And so a church that is built on that great commandment of loving God and loving people is a church, you know, that's going to do amazing things. And it doesn't matter what your church name is. If you're loving God and you're loving people, you're really capturing the DNA of what the Scripture teaches us and what God's heart is for people. Then the Great Commission is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus, as he's about to leave, he says this to all of his followers. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, look, our goal is to go out into the world and, and to tell people, to show people, to demonstrate to people the love of Jesus Christ. The fact that as we've been singing about here this morning uh, in, in both of our campuses, that talking about you know, how we love Jesus and about what Jesus has done for us. And as we go and we proclaim that to all people, we're, we're, we're taking the love of Jesus, the good news, the message of Jesus, and we're taking it out to people. And as people respond to that, we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We welcome them into the family of God We show them that they belong, and then we begin to disciple them for the rest of their lives as we ourselves are being discipled. We we get to do everything that Jesus commanded, and Jesus has promised to be with us right till the very end of the age. Well, in response to what the Bible says in the great commandment and the great commission, we here at C4, after seeking God's face, we believe that every church has an assignment from the Lord. That's what makes our church different than other churches in our neighborhood. And as you know, we pray for other churches in the area. We love the other churches in our area. But our assignment is not the same assignment as their assignment. And so it's up to us as a leadership here to understand what God's assignment is for us here at C4. And after prayer and fasting and discussion, we believe that our assignment is outlined in what we call our vision statement here at C4. And if you don't know it, it's this. To become a regional church of 10,000, meeting the emotional, physical, and spiritual needs of people in Jesus' name. This is what we believe we've been called to do here at C4. Make disciples of Jesus all over the Durham region. To take the good news of Christ to Durham region and to grow because we believe that God has assigned to us 10,000 people and we're looking to reach 10,000 people here in Ajax, in North Durham, and Lord willing, as we launch our new site uh, out east of here uh, in, the, in the fall of this year. And as we continue to do that, as we continue to partner with all other ministries here in Durham and around the world, we are looking for God to assign to this church and to the ministry of this church 10,000 people. Our vision statement is what propels us to want more and more, more and more of God's move among us. And we've just finished up a whole message series here at C4 called Spirit Move, where we've been crying out for more of God to move in our community, more of God to move in our personal lives, in our connect groups, in our families. And we want more and more people to come to know Jesus, the Savior who deeply loves them. And our job is to demonstrate that love as a community of faith. See, we want people to grow to be like Jesus in his character and his conduct. 
But our vision statement also reflects what we value here at C4. We believe in holistic ministry here at C4. We don't think it's just enough to minister to one dimension of a person. We don't just minister to the spiritual needs of people, but we believe that it's important to minister to people physically, emotionally, and spiritually, to seek wellness and wholeness and fullness and completeness in all of those realms of our being as individuals. And so we minister that way, and we believe that here at C4. We believe that the gospel is good news to the whole person. And so this week we're kicking off this short three-week series on biblical well-being. And this morning, in a few minutes, uh, Pastor Mary Lynn, our congregational care pastor, is going to come out and join me. And Mary's going to talk to you about uh, the C4 uh, care strategy, the strategy that we have as a growing church. Like, if you think about it, how on earth do you help meet the needs of people, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, in a church that is in multiple locations, a church of 10,000 people? It's a daunting task. And so Mary and her team have been working on a strategy, on a care strategy, and she's going to talk about that in just a few moments. But before she comes out to talk about that, I want to talk about a passage in the Old Testament. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 18. Now, it's not a super familiar passage. Some of you will recognize it when you get there. Others are going to read this for the very first time. And let me just kind of set the stage for what's happening when we get to Exodus chapter 18 so that you know the context that we're reading about today. The children of Israel have been enslaved in Egypt for uh, 400 years. And after that, God sends a deliverer, and that deliverer is Moses. And Moses... Uh, supernaturally, under the hand of God, leads the children of Israel out of captivity and takes them out, and they begin to set out in this journey to the land that God has promised way back when, when he made a covenant with Abraham. And so as God is leading them out, he's already uh, taken them across the Red Sea. They've had that miraculous episode where where they go through the Red Sea on dry land, and Pharaoh chases them, and, and they are all killed when the sea comes in on them. And this, is, this episode in chapter 18 is just before they come to Mount Sinai where Moses receives the Ten Commandments. And so the people are getting manna and quail from God. They're getting fed and they're out wandering around in the desert and they're not exactly sure of the direction that they're going in. And there's this group of people, some think maybe a million strong, that are following Moses through the desert that have been led out by God. And then we come to, Math, uh, to Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 to 23. And I'm going to read these verses, and I'm going to pause and sort of comment on them. And these are helping you and I understand some principles that are found in the Scripture so that as Pastor Mary comes out and talks in just a couple of minutes, that you'll understand some of the why behind why we're doing what we're doing in terms of our strategy for care here at C4. So Exodus chapter 18. Moses is visited by a man called Jethro, who is not an Israelite. He is Moses' father-in-law, but he is not of the same race. He's not a Jew. He was not captive in Israel. He is a Midianite. He's from another area, but his daughter is married to Moses. And so this man comes, this man Jethro comes and visits Moses, and then we pick up this dialogue. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around from morning until evening? 
So, so the children of Israel are, you know, are probably about a million strong at this particular time. And Moses is the guy who is kind of, uh, you know, acting as a little bit of a judge. There's disputes. There are needs among the community. Some people, you know, maybe they, they feel they're hard done by. Maybe they have a disagreement against their neighbor. Maybe they don't have enough water. Maybe they're, they're not getting enough food. It doesn't matter what the situation is. The people have all kinds of needs. And Moses comes and he sits in a seat. And the people, it says, from morning to all the way at night, they wait around for their turn to come and see Moses. Well, clearly this is not a very effective methodology. You know, some people maybe stand out, or stand out in the sun all day long and never get their case heard and never get their needs met. So we move on in verses 15 and on. Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and those people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. So here's this wise older man who's saying to Moses, look, your method's not working. The people are frustrated. They're hanging around all day long and they don't get to to hear their cases. And really, Moses, what you're doing is just not good. You're actually going to burn yourself out. You're taking on so much personally that it's actually not sustainable. The model that you have built has no capacity in it. And the model that you have built is not sustainable for the future. So you've got to make some changes. So here's what he's saying. You know what you need to do? You need to be God's representative. You need to get back to what God called you to be in the very first place. God called you to be a leader of the entire nation. And the only way that you are going to know what the entire nation is to do is if you spend time with God and you represent the people before God. Okay, Jethro, sounds good. So what am I supposed to do? Well, let's read on, starting in verse 20. Teach them his decrees and instructions. And show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from among the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So Jethro says to him, look, Moses, you know, if I could summarize it for you, here's what you need to do. You, you need to be a teacher first and foremost, and you need to learn something that every leader eventually needs to learn, and that is the art of delegation. You need to be a delegator. You you simply can't do this. And so, you know, the children of Israel are organized into clans and into families. There are 12 tribes, and within those tribes there are then clans, and within those clans then there are families. And he's saying, here's what you should do. You should go to trustworthy people. You know who the trustworthy people are. You know who the people are who are leaders just like you. You know people whose hearts are in it for the, right, you know, uh, for the right motives. You know people who are not out to swindle people who are not in it for dishonest gain. So you should entrust some of the leadership to those people. Let them work within their families and within their clans and within their tribes to work out a lot of stuff. And you, you just be the leader of all the people. You work with those who are working with the people. Verse 22 Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. 
So he rolls out this plan for Moses and he says, look, if you do this, here's, here's the benefits that I see. You don't have to hear every single case. You don't have to hear every single complaint. You don't have to hear about every, you know, broken toenail and, and every, you know, all those kinds of things. You just save yourself for the really, really big stuff. And let these people that you've delegated authority to, let them handle the minor stuff and the less significant stuff. And sure, some of them will maybe get their nose out of joint a little bit because they're used to being able to have an audience with Moses. But Moses, this is not sustainable. So you appoint these people and you put them out there and you identify with these people and let them handle the day-to-day stuff. And you know what will happen, Moses? You will build a model that as the children of Israel increase in number, it is a model that has capacity built into it and it is a model that is sustainable because it's not relying on just one person. So as Mary comes out to share with us, here's the three things that I see in this passage that we need to think of and remember as Mary comes to share with us about the care model at C4. Number one, Moses was overworked and couldn't cope. I'm sure Mrs. Moses was, was constantly saying, like, when are you coming home? Like, why are you staying at the office all night and all day? Like, all day you're there. You know, when are we going to have some family time? And we know that Moses, you know, was getting burned out over this. We know that Moses, this load was too heavy. Jethro, his father-in-law, says to him, you can't handle this load. So you need to do something about it. The second thing that we see from the passage is this. The people were deprived of timely attention and having their needs met. I love the end of verse 23. It says this. You will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Clearly the people weren't getting satisfaction. The people weren't getting heard. Their needs simply weren't getting met under the current methodology. And Moses is taking it all on himself. He's carrying it on his shoulders. And Jethro says, this is not good. You're going to burn out. You're going to just go out in a flame. You're going to kill yourself under this. And by the way, what you're doing isn't working anyways. (laughs) Because nobody's happy. So if you do what I'm telling you to do, you will be able to stand the strain and people will be much happier because their needs will be met. And the third thing that I see in there is that gifted people were not empowered to serve in ministry. When Moses was doing it all alone, nobody else got to help out. (laughs) And so we need to remember that, that ministry is never to be hogged by just one person. God has given uh, each of us who are followers of Jesus Christ at least one spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift is not given just so that we can go, whoopee, I got a spiritual gift. We're given our gift, as Scripture tells us over and over again, for the betterment of the whole body. And so it's a principle that's throughout the Old Testament and New Testament that ministry needs to be shared by multiple people. And so, Mary, why don't you come on out and help us now unpack what the care strategy... Let's give Mary a big hand as she comes out. I noticed that you got a cheer and I didn't. Well, you know. Maybe you can talk to me afterwards about that, okay? He needs a little bit of work. (laughs) Thanks, Captain Obvious. Um, <laughs> well, Mary, it's good to have you. It's Thank awesome you. to have you Thank and you. Uh, love working with you. It's so, it's so good. Uh, Mary, you know, before we talk about care strategy, uh, why don't you just give people a little bit of background, like, you know, t- tell us about, um, like, how long you've been at the church, you and sure. your family, and, and even on staff, because you're relatively new to staff. I am. Uh, I've been with the church over 20 years, actually, back in the wow. Steeple Hill days, uh, but I've just been on staff since September. Wow. 
half a year. <laughs> it feels yeah. like forever. Time flies when you're and having then, fun, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. It yeah. does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the primary you know, goal that we want to you know, communicate to everyone today uh, is uh, about this care strategy that you've been working on, you and some other people behind the scenes. And so, you know, why don't you begin to sort of unpack a little bit of that, and I'll probably ask you some questions sure. along the way and interrupt you every sure. now and then. You like interrupting me. I, do, the, I yeah. love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I, I kind of coined the phrase the trinity of care, and that's just to keep it as simple as possible. Okay. So if you think about it, there's three pillars and three outcomes. Okay. And so the three pillars are shared responsibility, personal responsibility, and ministry responsibility, which okay. we'll unpack in a few minutes. Sure, great. And then the outcomes that we're going to be uh, focusing on, uh, number one is on growth. Uh, C4's ethos is very much about discipleship yeah. and transformation. So it's really a lot about equipping so that all of us can be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is wholeness, and that relates to the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of all of us. Yeah. So um, the way I look at it is how can we be whole so that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us? unencumbered. And, uh, and I think that's really key. Yeah. Okay. So then the third thing is unity, which you and John have been preaching about a lot. Yeah. So it's related to uh, relational health, uh, being able to work through uh, conflict, uh, reconciliation, just so that not just in our families, but also as a church family and being yeah. able to uh, really uh, focus on unity. So that's sort of the three pillars and three outcomes. Okay. So let's talk about this first pillar of shared responsibility. Sure. You know, what, what, do you, what do you want people to hear on shared responsibility? Okay. Well, we are a very large church, as you mentioned. Yeah. And it's not something that the department can handle on their own. Okay. For sure. Uh, so a lot of it is how can we do this together? So how are we able to be equipped to be able to care together? And it is as you preach, it's a, it's a shared responsibility. We're called to do that. But it's also that we're able to um, uh, do, it, be, be, do what Jesus calls us to do. Okay. Okay? okay. So uh, let me just kind of make sure I'm going through this thoroughly. So uh, it's, it's, it's about building the care strategy, so the system of care. Right. But it's also about building each other up. And how can we care well together? And in reality, we're created to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. We are created to be in community. It, people who are in healthy relationships are uh, healthier physically and emotionally. Uh, they live longer, actually. Okay. Uh, they are also more successful in, in general. So uh, if we can kind of do relationship well and, sh- and care for one another, then that's already an amazing goal. Mm-hmm. So um, part of that is how can we create safe relationships for each other? And we do it primarily through people. So it's person to person, but it's also through our connect groups. Uh, in fact, our connect groups is the primary uh, vehicle for care. Here at C4. Yeah, and you'll, you'll hear Pastor Lori say that over and over and over again. And Pastor John preaches it all the time. And, and you need to hear what Mary's saying. A critical part of the care strategy is that those of you who are in connect groups already, one of the primary delivery methods or delivery vehicles of care here at C4 
is our connect groups mm-hmm. uh, because you know people are already in relationship with one another, and those relationships tend to be you know fairly tight with each other. Yeah, I've been with uh, a couple of connect groups, and my goodness, I don't know how I would have gone through life yeah. without that connect group with me. Yeah, and you, you and I were sharing just during this week, and I don't, I'm not sure that we have enough time today to do it, but you know, you, you've had some crisis in your life the last couple of years. We've had some, Jen and yeah, I have had some crisis yeah. in our life, and both of us were saying, man, if it weren't for our connect groups, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. And so you need to just hear that. First of all, huge shout out from Mary and I to those who are in our connect groups. Thank you so much for being there for us and yeah. for helping us in absolutely critical times. But if you're a person here who's struggling and you're not in a connect group, you really need to get involved in a connect group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And then there's what I call specialized care. And that's just sometimes we go through situations that are a little bit more difficult. They're kind of what I would call above your pay grade. (laughs) And uh, that's part of what we're trying to build so that there's resources for you. So you really aren't having to handle this on your own. And then, of course, there's pastoral care. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mary, you know, when you first came on staff, I remember we talked about care and and we were having this great Mm -hmm. conversation with our staff. And you said there's three Ps. Yes. And and this this was so helpful to to our entire staff. Why don't you share with people what the three Ps of care are? Right. So the thing I've noticed is we really are a generally caring group of people. I've loved watching that. But I think uh, many of us feel ill-equipped. Right. And when we feel ill-equipped, what do we do? We avoid. So if somebody's going through a difficult situation, we might kind of send them an email or pray for them, and then we kind of go, oh, I don't quite know what to do at that point. Yeah. And so we, don't, we kind of avoid. Yep. So I kind of came up with the three P to try to demystify care. It's not really that complicated. And I know that all of you are capable of doing this. So presence, prayer, and practical support. So presence is just simply being there with that person who's going through a difficult time. It's being able to listen with empathy. Hmm. It's being able to just sit without judgment, kind of what I call entering people's stories and, and walking with them through their difficult times, often without even saying any words. Uh, empathy, kind of two interesting uh, facts. Empathy has been shown to be the one thing that actually calms the brain. So if somebody's upset or uh, feeling kind of stressed out, when you give them empathy, it brings them right down. And I think all of us can do that. And the second thing, uh, this interesting study has shown, uh, there was a study uh, where somebody was standing in front of a hill and was told to estimate how high you think it is. And they'd say, oh, it's so high. Well, then they put a backpack of bricks on their shoulders. And then all of a sudden, the estimation was like, whoa, it's so much taller. Okay. And then all they did, the only thing they've changed is they put their, a friend next to them. So the back, backpack's still there, still as heavy. And then all of a sudden they're looking at the hill, and again it goes back down to the right size. And that's just the mere presence gives you a sense of, oh, okay, I can do this. And so, of course, there's prayer as well. So for presence and then prayer. And prayer is just standing in the gap for each other. And sometimes if you don't have words, just to say, Lord, I give you so-and-so, and and let me just pray for them. And then there's practical support, Um, whether it's meals or childcare or helping to clean the house. I mean, it's just so they feel that you notice them. And, And that's really important. Now, I'll tell you what care is not. It's not solving people's problems. It's not counseling. Yeah, please. I don't counsel. I don't counsel. (laughs) That's part of why he hired me. Uh, So no counseling, no solving problems. It's not about fixing people's lives for them. 
It's really just about walking with them through it. It's not also about uh, letting them walk all over you and take advantage of you. I mean, mm. it's important to have healthy boundaries, but, it, yeah. but I think that's important to keep that in mind. So three Ps. Yep. Uh, presence, prayer, and practical help. Yay. I did that pass. <laughs> you passed. Yeah, good, good. And, and for, you know, for, for all the males in the room uh, who may be wired like me, like you heard Mary say, you don't have to fix it. Like, we're not parachuting into situations to suddenly fix everything. Exactly. And, and for me, I can, I, even I can do those three Ps. I think you can do it very I, well. I think I can do them, yeah. Okay, <laughs> great. So let's talk about personal responsibility. So, so we've got shared responsibility. That's the expectation that we sort of all have of each other. We, we can get care and support from one mm-hmm. another. But then sort of what's now my personal responsibility right. and care? And this is something I'm very passionate about. Okay. Um, you know, we are called to show grace to one another. We are called mm-hmm. to walk with one another. And let's just face it, we're all broken people. Right. Um, we are messy people trying to do messy life together. Yeah. And what that means is that uh, there's going to sometimes be relational breakdowns. And there's going to be times where people hurt each other. And so we are called to be able to forgive and show grace to each other. Mm-hmm. This passage that I just want to read from Colossians 3, 12 to 15 such a key, key passage. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, and as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. So we get that, yeah. but it's a lot harder to actually do. Um, Steve Gladen uh, from Saddleback Church, he says, church is designed to be a hospital, not a hotel. Mm-hmm. So if we can accept that we are broken people trying to do life together, then maybe we won't be so quick to leave when things don't go according yeah. to the way we'd like it to be or when we get hurt. I mean, we are called to be in relationship, in community, and we grow the most actually through the hardships that we face as a church together. And so if we can lean into that and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, to love through us, then we can actually do this together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I actually wanted to share personal response, uh, personal story, which involves yeah. you. Involves me? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> this could get risky. This could get a little risky. Um, for those of you who've been with the church for a few years, I don't know if you remember the City of Hope Counseling Center. Yeah. I do. <laughs> well, you came in at the tail end of that. Right. So that began with lots of um, enthusiasm, and it was such a dream. And a number of you got involved in helping with that. So when that fell apart, it was probably one of the most difficult times in my life, personally. And, um, and I have to be honest, I blamed you. I mean, poor Dave. He came in literally for the last six months of the project right. or something like that. But I felt um, alone. I felt like a failure uh, before God. Mm. I felt like I failed the church. Um, I felt like abandoned, to be honest. And so it was a time of brokenness for me. It got to the point where um, I almost left the church, actually. Uh, I almost made my husband, let's let's go. (laughs) And uh, I remember a couple years ago, uh, you know, just just being able to pray through, and God showed me that that's my own stuff. Okay. And that's what I mean by personal responsibility. You know, from my own history, the themes of you're on your own, 
uh, no one's going to be there for you, and the themes of abandonment, they were so strong in me that I projected it all over you. And okay. so I blamed you for that as a result. And um, when God brought that to mind, he brought me through a journey of healing. And at the very end of it, I said to him, should we leave the church? And he said, well, if you really want to know my opinion, I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to know your opinion. He said, your, um, your job's not done at C4. Mm. Now, that was two years ago. Yeah. And so I sat there, and I, we came faithfully, and I didn't know what that looked like. So when this opportunity came, I felt very strongly the Lord saying, this is it. Yeah. So I put the, my hat in the ring, and I really felt like I had resolved it. It was, uh, you know, I just love my church, mm -hmm. and everything was all good. And then in the interview, this dear man, mm -hmm. and I might get a little emotional here, but you turned to me in the interview, because it was like the elephant in the room. We had this thing happen. And he said, you know, Mary, I just want you to know I know how much it cost you. And I just want to say on behalf of the church, I'm so very sorry. Yeah. And um, I didn't need that. It wasn't actually so anything I had gone in expecting it. But that's reconciliation when mm -hmm. you said that. Uh, that was so healing for me. It was like God saying, okay, this is it. This is what I w want you to do. And so it's so important for us to understand our own story, exactly. right? And, and to, to be in a place, you know, where we're at least healthy enough to understand our story. And then, you know, as you, you know, chatted with me about this, you know, how we project our story on other people who, who are sometimes, in my case, I think, were just innocently doing what they'd been hired to do, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, suddenly it, there's this rift in the relationship, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so important for us. So tell us, you know, how does that then, you know, help Mary as, as you're planning out a care strategy, you know, for people out here who, you know, are, who are like you and me, like you say, we're all broken people. How, how is it helpful for us, and, and what can we do, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. So uh, shared responsibility, personal responsibility, but there's also ministry responsibility. Okay. And one of the, uh, the goals of the ministry is actually, as I said, to equip, to train, and to coach, and to give you guys the tools and the skills that you need yep. to do this well. And so there is an actual structure that's been put in place, mm -hmm. but let me just kind of talk about some of the goals uh, for the CARE strategy. Uh, number one to just create a culture of care at C4. Yeah. We are caring people. I want the world to know that we are caring. Yeah. Uh, it's also to operationalize and, and, and just to make it simple and understandable, to demystify what care is about. Yeah. Um, I call it also to improve the customer experience. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, like one of my observations is that not that people aren't caring, but sometimes things slip through the cracks when you have a church of our size. Right. So it's to create a system of communication so that people are attended to right away and feel cared for. They feel noticed, that they're not slipping through the cracks and that the requests are going to the right person, that everything's being tracked and responded to appropriately. Uh, it also includes ensuring that we have the right people in place, so we're in the process of hiring some staff, but also recruiting some great volunteers. Yeah. And training, as I say. Um, I think it's critical that we also break down the communication silos. So, you know, we get busy in our day and all the different ministries are happening and sometimes we'll get a request that comes in for a particular ministry, but we're not necessarily tracking where that all goes. So just to be able to do that and, as I say, to simplify care. Uh, Trinity of care, three pillars, three outcomes. Hopefully you'll all be able to say that, but I want you to be able to have a handle so you can see it's simple. It's complex 
but it's also very simple. Yeah. And we're going to do that in the context of that. And so there's some staff around at that. Um, the, myself, uh, we're going to be hiring uh, an associate care pastor and a, and a pastoral care administrator, and then the site pastors are involved. And I also have this team of wonderful volunteers called the care ministers. And they will actually be coming up uh, after the service to be prayed for by the elders so that they will be given the go out, go forth and care on behalf of C4. So just like those people in the scripture passage that I talked about with Moses, you know, these mm. people are now representatives, they're empowered, exactly. you know, to go out. Exactly. They're legit people when yeah. it comes, you know, to this area of care mm -hmm. so that not everyone has to come see you, mm -hmm. a wise one, right? <laughs> and right. Uh, that they can, they can get some other stuff. They'll be waiting around all day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and uh, so one of the things that we want to do then is, you know, what, what's the so what? So, mm -hmm. you know, what do we want people to take away from this, Mary? Like, what, uh, what, do, you, what do you think uh, people need to hear for sure? Well, I hope that you guys will be practicing the Trinity of Care, but I, I would love for it to become a buzz and a buzzword and just okay. where people are really, really becoming aware of it and noticing as you're talking one-on-one, -on -one, as you're also in Connect Group, uh, just noticing how you're caring for each other. Uh, and, and as I said, uh, there will be come upcoming training and coaching. Watch out in the fall that we're going to be launching some really, really amazing programs and training that's going to help equip you. Uh, so that's kind of really key. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the other things is, you know, we've said it now a couple of times, but if you're not already in a connect group, mm -hmm. then we want to strongly urge you to get into connect group because it's the primary vehicle of care at C4. Most care happens in connect groups at C4. Uh, but if you've got a care need that is uh, beyond maybe what your connect group, as you, uh, the term you use, if it's, a, if it's above the connect group's pay grade, right. uh, then uh, simply care at c4church.com right. uh, is the place that you need to email in. Of course, you can call in to the office here, but uh, if you email to care at c4church.com, that's the trigger that gots, gets the system starting to roll. And so if you need extra care, then that's, that's the place that you go first. And as Mary said, there's, you know, there's going to be some training. Joanna is going to come up in just a second, and she's going to tell you a little bit more specifically about that. But, um, you, know, I, I, you know, as two of your pastors, we just want you to hear this really clearly. We really do care about the stuff that's going on in your lives. Mm. I mean, that's why we do everything that we do here at C4. Mm -hmm. That's why we have the connect groups, and we call them this primary care vehicle. It's not because we don't, we don't want to give you attention, but we actually do want to maximize the attention and the care that you can get. And, and we know that uh, people have all kinds of difficulties because, you know, we, we live in a, a broken world and we're broken people and we interact with broken people. And so, you know, the chances are that over the next 12 months that you're going to need someone to be a presence with you, to pray for you, mm -hmm. or to practically help you is going to be quite high. And so we want you to get involved in a connect group. Beyond that, we are building systems that are both sustainable for a church of 10,000 mm -hmm. in multiple locations and have, have the capacity for up to 10,000 people. And uh, that's what Mary's doing. That's what her, her team are doing, and they're trying to build these systems. And so there'll be opportunities for you to get involved in that is the other thing. Mm -hmm. You know, why don't you, you know, even talk about that? When's that sort of going to happen, Mary? Well, if you have the gifts in this area and if you're passionate about it, I would love to hear from you. Uh, inundate me. That would be wonderful. <laughs> There's going to be many opportunities coming, uh, and uh, then I can get a chance to get to know you. Uh, one thing I would like to also add is don't 
worry about feeling like you're coming or caring for each other in your own strength. This really is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the impossible because we are, like I said, all broken people. So it's as you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, that's when care is going to be fantastic across our church. And as Pastor John reminds us all the time and can never remind us enough, if you've got the gifts that Mary's talking about, gifts like mercy, uh, shepherding, you know, those uh, encouragement, uh, exhortation, those kinds of spiritual gifts, those are guaranteed sources of power. And the whole body needs them, and your connect group needs them, and the church needs people with those gifts so that we can actually care properly for one another. Okay? So you get it? You get what sort of we're doing here and what we're, we're trying to accomplish? Well, Joanna, you're going to give us some next steps. Uh, we're not going to close with a song today because we thought there were some practical next steps. And so uh, Joanna's going to come up and uh, share a little bit about what's going to happen next. Thanks, guys. Um, so there are a few things, as Dave said, if you want to join a connect group, you can, all of this stuff is always on our website, but today, while you're physically here with us, you can go out to the lobby, go to the connect center, go to the welcome center if you're new, say hi, get some information about connect groups and how to get involved in those small communities within our larger space. Uh, the second thing is we want to highlight for you, as you maybe have already picked up at these tables, one day, we have a whole day of classes on a variety of topics coming up, and one of those is about your own emotional health. If stuff that has been said today is resonating with you, we want you to grab uh, one of these as the opportunity to get invested in your own emotional well-being. Uh, There's other classes as well you can check out on this card. So grab one of these after the service. And uh, finally, we do have elders' prayer today. So if, um, if you're in a time right now where things are... Hard. There's stuff going on in your life or in your family or in your world uh, that you would just love someone to pray with you about. We do this on a regular basis. We have our elders come forward uh, to pray with us. It says in Scripture, is anyone sick? Let the elders lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, the prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. And that's not just physically sick. That's also emotional or spiritual sickness. So we're going to invite the elders to come forward now. And we're going to end our time together just in prayer <coughs> this morning. And we invite you to grab one of these cards, visit the Connect Center in the lobby or come forward for prayer as we end our service. Would you stand with me as we end in prayer? Oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in community and you model that for us even within yourself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you uh, minister to us as you are in community. And so we ask, God, that you would increase our ability uh, to care for one another in this community and increase... uh, our desire to become whole and healthy people, would you continue to heal us? Uh, We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of our pain and our struggle, we look to you, forever risen Jesus, as the hope of our salvation, the light and the life of Christ is what propels us forward. And so we go this morning in the knowledge that you are good, that you care for us, and that you are by your Spirit empowering us to care for each other. Spirit, move as we care for one another in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.